Hello and welcome to episode two of the Rocky Mountain Mason podcast. I hope you're all faring well out there. This again is being recorded during the COVID-19 epidemic. I am Ben Williams, your host, publisher and editor-in-chief at the Rocky Mountain Mason magazine. Today we're going to talk about Kabbalah and the creation of the worlds. The word Kabbalah is a misunderstood and misused term in the modern age. It's fraught with poor associations, pop stars seeking substance beyond their material excesses, witches drawing pentagrams in the air, even sinister wills to power among practitioners of magic. It seems out of date, pretentious, even dangerous or silly. But Kabbalah isn't really any of these things, any more than an alphabet is merely the profanities coined by a particular person using certain letters. Like an alphabet, Kabbalah is merely a set of symbolic tools used to impart abstract truths between people. Only Kabbalah is an alphabet of alphabets. It exists on another level of communication altogether. Its influence on masonry cannot be overstated. Albert Pike, in his chapter on In Morals and Dogma on the 18th degree, the son of the knight or prince adept, stresses this when he writes, All truly dogmatic religions have issued from the Kabbalah, and return to it. Everything scientific and grand in the religious dreams of all the Illuminati, Jacob Burma, Swedenborg, St. Martin, and others is borrowed from the Kabbalah. All the Masonic associations owe to it their secrets and their symbols. That's from Morals and Dogma, page 744. An introduction, then, into the creation as rendered by Kabbalists should interest the brethren some. Perhaps this brief and incomplete presentation will suffice to inspire a ready and dedicated research into these obscure and darkened corners where, indelibly, the light shines. For Kabbalah is, as the root of its Hebrew word alludes, about receiving knowledge, the revelation of light. Quoting Pike again, the Kabbalistic doctrine was long the religion of the sage and the savant because, like Freemasonry, it incessantly tends towards spiritual perfection and the fusion of the creeds and nationalities of mankind. That was from Morals and Dogma, page 625. And again, Masonry is a search after light. That search leads us directly back, as you see, to the Kabbalah, page 741. An understanding of the Kabbalah must begin, at the very least, with an overview of the Sephirot, Figuratively, ten emanations that come from the eternal deity into the bounded worlds of creation. The Kabbalah makes choice words. Sephirot, the singular is sephira, comes from the, he root, the Hebrew root sefer, the root of the words to count, safar, book, sefer, communication, sipper, boundary, separ, scribe, safra, and sapphire, sapir. All these allusions are deliberately within the word sephirot, and in this wise, the sephirot are the number and letter of the word itself, the dimensions in which the construct of reality was projected. It's important to note that there really is no beginning. When talking about these things, we're, we're talking about something that always existed, before and outside of time itself. But the symbolism must be couched in mortal terms. So we talk of a beginning, a before and an after, in reality, there is no such thing. So, before the emanation of the Sephirot, there was the unknowable. Before the deity created any ideal, any limited and intelligible nature, or any form whatever, he was alone and without form or similitude, 
and there could be no cognition or comprehension of him in any wise. Morals and Dogma, page 745. The absolute deity, with the Kabbalists, has no name. The terms applying to him are Eor Peshot, the most simple or pure light, called Ain Sof, or infinite, before any emanation, for then there was no space or vacant place, but all was infinite light. Morals and Dogma, page 745. Now note this is not visible light, but visible light offers a fine analogy for our limited minds. It fills all space and remains invisible until it strikes up against something. It reveals that upon which it falls, remaining itself imperceptible. This is much like deity. Ever effulgent, ever revealing his own majesty through the revelation of the worlds. This principle exists in you also. To contemplate your own image, you must seek something in which to reflect yourself. For God, the universe becomes like this mirror, and the sephirot, the house in which and by which the mirror is held up. And, just like the physical light in which the lineaments of the face are born, this light, pure intellection, pure reason itself, must then be the medium for the conveyance of his great revelation. Before the emanations outflowed and things were created, the supreme light was infinitely extended and filled the whole, the whole where. Nothing was except that extended light, called Ein, Sof, or the light of the non-finite. Morals and Dogma, page 747. Now this similitude united the eternal and unchanging sameness. There was no space or time, only God, the eternal and unknowable, a shining unity. But there was the revelation, because no matter where a single point is placed in eternity, it must, in a certain sense, always be the center. No matter where a single point is, in an eternity, it remains equidistant from all sides. This is the remarkable fact of eternity. Every point is the same. Every point is equidistant. The eternal unbounded and the conceived center are one thing. The infinite and the infinitesimal are joined. This contraction into two, the infinite and the infinitesimal, this sudden understanding of the center, is the I am moment. Kabbalists refer to it as the Tsim Sum. Pike, drawing heavily on the Sefer Zohar, writes... Unity can only be manifested by the binary. Unity itself and the idea of unity are already two. When the infinite God willed to admit what were to flow forth, he contracted himself in the center of his light in such manner that the most intense light should recede to a certain circumference and on all sides upon itself. And this is the first contraction and turned Tsemsum. He descended therein that by means of his idea, he might be called by the name Tetragrammaton, that created things might have cognition of him in his own likeness. Morals and Dogma, that's pages 770, 745, and 746. So deity pulled back from within himself, surrounding the center on all sides. But note, this space was not left empty. There remained a vestige of the light that was withdrawn, like a layer of water after the retreat of the tide. Kabbalists call this remnant the Rashimu. Into this newfound space, in the center of all, distinction was born. The sephirots were extended into the void. Now there was an up, relative a down. Up was connected to the infinite by a ray of his ineffable light. Down was removed from the surrounding. There was a space between the projected light and the surrounding light. If it had touched, the whole would be reabsorbed into sameness. From Morals and Dogma again. From the word atzil, 
to emanate or flow forth comes the word atzilot. Atzilot, emanation, or the system of eminence. When the primal space was evacuated, the surrounding light of the infinite and the light emitted into the void did not touch each other, but the light of the infinite flowed into that void through a line or certain slender canal, and that light is the emanative and emitting principle, or the outflow and origin of emanation, but the light within the void is the eminent subordinate, and the two cohere only by means of the aforesaid line. That's Morals and Dogma, page 746. From this line, or ray, called by Kabbalists the Kav, the Sephirot emanated in stages. They emanated in stages, it is said, because the light went through a series of gradations that diluted it, as it were, and allowed the forms to take shape. A too bright light, from all directions, outshines all shadows and swallows all. But it emanated in stages also because there was a concatenation to creation, called the Seder Hishtalshalus, or chain of being, where the first principle converged possibility into the next necessary sustaining step. It is like music. A note by itself is not an interval. But the scale, or mode, births itself in relation to the preceding note. All things become certain. Through truth, all things converge into existence. The highest sephirah, then, is called keter, the crown. And, it is, and, and in this first sphere, all the other spheres were already existent. Quoting Pike again, The point, keter, was the aggregate of all the ten. When it first emanated, it consisted of all the ten, and the light which extended from the emanative principle simultaneously flowed into it, and beheld the two universals, that is, the unities out of which manifoldness flows, as, for example, the idea within the deity of humanity as a unit out of which the individuals were to flow. The vessel or receptacle containing this emitted light and the light itself within it. And this light is the substance of the point Keter, for the will of God is the soul of all things that are. Morals and Dogma, page 755. Its generative potency is such that all the manifest and unmanifest are thereby contained within it. It begins as the very tip of the letter Yod in the Tetragrammaton. Quoting Pike one more time. After this forming the crown, he constituted a certain smaller receptacle, the letter Yud, and filled it with that source, and this is called the fountain gushing with wisdom, and manifested in this he called himself wise, and the vessel he called Hokmah, wisdom, sapientia. From this crown, or this will, came forth wisdom. Solomon reminds us that the world was created in wisdom. Proverbs 24, verse 3. Wisdom necessitates understanding, and from here all things knowable spill into existence. Then he also constituted a great reservoir, which he called the ocean, and to it he gave the name of Binar, or understanding, intelligentsia. In this he characterized himself as intelligent, or conceiver. He is indeed the absolutely wise and intelligent, but Hokmah is not absolute wisdom by itself, but is wise by means of Bina, who fills himself from it, and if this supply were taken from it, would be dry and unintelligent. And thereupon seven precious vessels become, to which are given the following names, Gedula, Magnificence, or Benignity, or Chazed, Mercy, Gevura, Austerity, Rigor, or Severity, also known as Din, Judgment. 
Tiferet, beauty. Netzach, victory. Hod, glory. Yezod, foundation or basis. And Malchut, rule, reign, royalty, dominion or power. And in Gedula, he took the character of great and benignant. In Geburah, of severe. In Tiferet, of beautiful. In Netzach, of overcoming. In Hod, of our glorious author. In Yezod, of just. By Yezod, all vessels and works being upheld. And in Malchut, he applied to himself the title of king. These numerations of Sephirots, which should be, yes, Sephirots, are held in the Kabbalah to have been originally contained in each other. That is, Keter contained the nine others, Hokma contained Bina, and Bina contained the last seven. That's Morals and Dogma, page 753. So it is that the archetypal natures were born in distinction, contradistinct yet indispensable to each other. The former begets the latter, the latter sustains the former. They are inseparable, inevitable results of becoming. Just as up cannot exist without down, so without might, mercy cannot possibly exist. This concatenated chain replicated and informed all the worlds, from the highest, most hidden light to the grossest material form. All things converged into necessity from the first possibility. The Sephirot are much more complex and complete than this brief overview. A lifetime could be spent in determining their attributes, symbolisms, potencies, and positions. They are not concrete forms, but ever-living concepts. They are essentially one, but our perception makes them manifold. They exist in layers through what Kabbalists term the four worlds. There are parts above and beyond them that unite them with endlessness, known as the Ancient of Days and the Ancient of Ancients. They exist in the shape of a man, Adam Kadman, the prim primordial being previous to all creation, who informs yet more Sephirot within him. They consist of light and vessels. They are united in faces, or Patsufim. They combine opposites, often analogized to gender, and maintain all in balance. Hokma is Abba, the father, and Bina is Amma, the mother. Their union pours forth the sextet. Beneath them, the abyss opens, and the universe washes into forms and turnings, wheels upon wheels, turning into Arik Einpin, the macroprosopus, or large face, and Zaya Einpin, microprosopus, or the small face. These in turn engender Kala, the fallen bride, Nukvar, the feminine essence of the Shekinah, which Solomon drew down into the temple, that bride of the Sabbath, who is raised each week. They are variously divided. On the left side, the triad Bina, Gevura, and Hod form the pillar of severity, or strength. It is female, receptive, and vespertine. In the vacuum, it is magnetism. On the right side, the triad Hokmar, Chesed, and Nitzak form the pillar of mildness. It is considered male, active, seminal, and machetine. In the vacuum, it is electricity. In the center, the quaternary unites these opposing sides in equilibrium. Both night and day bring forth the turning of the world. Electricity and magnetism form electromagnetism and the propagation across the void. The marriage of man and woman bring forth progeny. In all cases, creation begins again. The Sephirot depend through the worlds, spheres of spheres, ten lights united by twenty-two paths, which number thirty-two should, of course, be of interest to Masons. And yet each light is within lights. They stretch through the totality of existence, from the highest, subtlest idea to the lowest, densest material. All shapes conform to their symbolism. They are not of the shape we give them in discussion, nor are their virtues confined to the words we use to relate them. Kabbalah is a simple system, 
but its beauty resonates. It is not meant to espouse a gospel truth, rather offer a conceptual system to intuit scintillations at the reaches of reasons itself. Quoting from Pike once again, But these same sephirot, persons and lights, are not creatures per se, but ideas and rays of the infinite, which, by different gradations, so descended from the supreme source as still not to be severed from it. But it, through them, is extended to the production and government of all entities, and is the single and perfect universal cause of all, through becoming determinate for this or the other operation, through this or that sephirot or mode. That's Morals and Dogma, page 759. The four worlds can be ascribed to them, with various similarities. The quaternary combines into ten. One plus two plus three plus four equals ten, which Pythagoras used to inform his Tetractus. Pike writes again, drawing on the Sefer Zohar, the four worlds or universals, absolute, Berea, Yitzra, and Asaya, of emanation, creation, formation, and fabrication, are another enigma of the Kabbalah. The first three are wholly within the deity. The first is the universe, as it exists potentially in the deity, determined and imagined, but is yet wholly formless and undeveloped, except so far as it is contained in his emanations. The second is the universe in idea, distinct within the deity, but not invested with forms, a simple unity. The third is the same universe in potence in the deity, unmanifested, but invested with forms. The idea developed into manifoldness and individuality, and succession of species and individuals. And the fourth is the potentiality become the actuality, the universe fabricated and existing as it exists for us. Walls and Dogma, page 759. The material universe where we dwell is the world of Asaya, or action. This world is the farthest removed from the light. An analogy is our bodies. The gross body itself is like Asaya. The sunlight upon the skin is like Yitzra, the world of formation. The sunlight upon the atmosphere is like Berea, the world of creation. And the sun itself, all the way on the other side of the void, is like Absolute, the world of emanation of pure deity itself. Adam Cadman is the Big Bang, and deity is that which precedes and informs all this. And yet the worlds are folded, such that the neuron's action potential within the body is like the world of Yitzra, formation. The initiating thought is like Berea, creation. And the imagination, that light of reason, is like absolute, or emanation. All things can be organized and arranged in conformity to the Sephiroth. On the whole, it is a very powerful symbolism. Brethren, it is hard in so short a time to relay the profundity of this symbolism. Suffice it to say, though, much more could be said. This attempt can only serve to prompt further investigation on your part, investigation that is earnestly encouraged. I'm going to end this with a very short parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a great house whose master was called away to attend his daughter's wedding. In order to protect his good name and for the security of his title, he locked all his treasure, treasure, a great fortune, in a single room. Yea, a room within rooms. To whom did he entrust the keys? Why? He gave them to his blind servant, knowing there they would be safest. What is the treasure within the room? I tell you, it is the gift of sight. Thank you for listening to this, the second podcast by the Rocky Mountain Mason. 
If you like this content or are interested in reading more material of this nature, please do subscribe to our magazine. You can visit our website at www.rockymountain.com and click subscribe right there. If you like this podcast, please donate to help us support the costs of putting it together. Um, visit our website um, and click on the podcast link. And there is a like button or like a heart button on a coin in the top right-hand corner of our Buzzsprout page. Uh, Clicking on that will open up a donation page. Uh, We simply request donations of 99 cents if you like this uh, content or if you're feeling generous, five bucks. Um, Essentially, you know, the cost of a cup of coffee, which you're probably not getting from Starbucks right now. Um, and then lastly, if you are interested in other publications that our parent company, Laughing Lion, produces, please do visit www.laughinglion.net. Until next time, take care and Godspeed.